This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The vision of a champion is bent over, drenched in sweat, at the point of exhaustion, when nobody else is looking. Mia Ham. It was fun, like on the second day... It's also like longer than 47 hours because before the race, you, you hardly sleep the night before and then you're up early. But then like the second after like the sun had gone down and come up the next day, I was swimming one swim. Like I was leading all the swims, so I was swimming. And I remember like, I was like, oh, I can just close one eye when I'm sleeping. And then I was like, oh, I can close the other eye. I was like, actually, I'm swimming pretty straight here. I can close both my eyes and keep swimming, like just for a couple of strokes. And I must have slept because I heard my name being like called out and I thought it was Christine behind me and it was the boat and I was like, I'd done a complete 90 degree tour. I was still swimming, but I was just like, I'd swung 90 degrees with my own like falling asleep. I'm Doc and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Well, this is a big episode as we venture forth into season five of the podcast. I want to thank our constant listeners for all their support, reviews, and comments as we start this week's episode, our 201st. And as I like to do with our season opening episodes, I've got a spectacular guest with me tonight. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod. Bondi Beach lifeguard, triathlete, and adventure racer, Adriel Young. How's it going, Adriel? Great. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm pumped to be here. Was was my intro? Was that too much of was that too much of a buildup for you, or uh, are you able to live up to that? <laughs> oh, I'm going to try my best. <laughs> it sounds much better than it really is <laughs> in real life. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, in in America. When we have uh, through hikers hiking the long trails, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail, the the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, there is this unique American practice of assigning trail names, a name you pick up, kind of a nickname you get 
based on maybe where you're from, maybe something that happens on the trail, maybe a peculiar uh, personality trait that you might have. Uh, in all of your adventuring out there, have you picked up a nickname or a trail name? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I, I started working at Bondi as a lifeguard, and I think I lasted maybe like three days before I got bacon was my, I was out on the jet ski one day and I kept hearing on the radio, like, yeah, Kevin or bacon, can you go over here? I was like, who are they talking to? And I'm like new kid on the block. And I, I was like, is that to me? And they're like, yeah, you, Kevin, you got to go down. And I was like, okay. And then when I came back in, I was like, what was going on? They're like, you're Kevin Bacon. You look exactly like Kevin Bacon. And that from that day on, I was like Bacon. So, bang, I was stamped with Bacon on my like first day down the beach. That's great. And I, I noticed you pronounced it Bondi Beach. I pronounced it Bondi Beach. Is it Bondi? It's Bondi if you're Australian and Bondi if you're American. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that then. But I like it. I, I love bacon. Is it okay if I call you bacon for the rest of the podcast? Yeah, man, that's no worries. Okay, fantastic. Hey, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? I've listened to little bits because uh, in preparation for this, but now, uh, now I'm going to be an avid because I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, when I drive to work and stuff. So it's And it's also nice to have a good podcast to listen to when you're training. So I'm going to be a new subscriber. Fantastic. You listened into a couple of bits just to know what you were getting into today, huh? Yeah, I was panicking. <laughs> hey, I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And that's where you'll get a chance to share some some outdoor adventure wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure, uh, next outdoor experience uh, even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay. No worries. Okay. The Must Bring Gear Review. All right, Bacon. Another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your kit with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day adventure, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Bacon, what is your Must Bring piece of gear? I feel like I'm a bit of an amateur compared to your other guests in terms of like multi-day hiking. We'll go into this later in the podcast, but I'm a bit of an amateur in that department. So I'm I'm a some swim runner in my background. So if I say like a gear that I want to have swim running, it's obviously a good wetsuit. But in terms of when I go out hiking and camping, it's usually with my family. So my like must have is like a good underleg, like a good um mattress what do you call it i don't know what you're giving that's how ba basic i am but a good like sleeping pad uh sleeping pad it's like a must for me okay <laughs> i don't sleep that well with my kids in the tent as it is now but without that it's the, it's a must <laughs> and so do important. You, do you use a a an inflatable sleeping pad or a, a closed foam cell um no i have like pad. i had a closed foam cell but then i got given this like it sort of blows itself up. I don't know. It's not like a big one. It's like thin, but right. it like sucks in the air itself. And then you can give it a little bit of extra yourself. And it's like, it was a game changer for me. It's <laughs> so right. good. Now tell us, tell us about swim run just for a second here. Cause we're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk about your adventures in, with swim run in America. That, that's not a popular term. And in fact, um, I think it was Brett Gravelin who turned me on to you and said, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta talk to Adriel. He is fantastic. <laughs> and so I started doing my research. I looked you up and came across swim run and you know, it, it, it's a definitely a non-American term, not very popular here in the States. Tell us about what, what is a swim run? Yeah. So like it was a sport that was born here in Sweden where I'm living at the moment. And it's like, it's start, it's, it's very good in Sweden because they have this archipelago with like tons of islands and it started with a few guys and they just started, they took themselves from like, one island to the next and like just human power, no boats, no nothing. And you just take yourself and it's such a like freedom. It's such a free way of transportation, training, racing. And um, I've been hooked on it since I started. I was really into triathlon. Then I like I'd had enough, did my first swim run. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. It's, a, it's such a, it's easy. It's just so easy and so free. So it's a, the sport is you just swim, run, swim, run continuous with your shoes on then jump up run so it's yeah it's a really free 
free kind of sport. It is not complicated. It's pretty self-explanatory. A swim run yeah. is where you swim and you run. <laughs> pretty and exactly. That. <laughs> yep. Got it. All right. It's the hiking pole. All right, moving on to our next segment, the hiking pole. And this this is pole spelled P-O-L-L, like a survey. This is a seven-question survey that's going to help me determine your level of sanity. I'm going to give you a score at the end of this between between one and a hundred, with one hundred being completely sane, which I doubt that you're gonna you're gonna get that, <laughs> and one being completely insane. Perfect. All right, Bacon. If I were to ask your family and friends, how would they score you on the sanity scale? Where, where would they where would they put you? Uh, I don't think anyone thinks I'm that sane. So I don't know. I'd be I'd be low there. If one's the most insane, I'd be I'd be close to ten or something. I'm uh, pretty insane. Okay, yeah. 10. Nice, nice. Now, you have no idea what we're going to talk about here. Um, the, the title, Hiking Pole, it, would, it seemed to imply that uh, it has to do with hiking. But I know that you're not a big hiker. So I have some alternative questions that I use occasionally. And these are the big issues uh, in the world today. These, these are some really deep, complex things. You could probably spend an entire episode just on one or two of these questions. So have I got your anxiety up a little bit? Yeah, no, I'm stressed. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to find out which side of these issues you fall on, and we're going, to, we're going to give you a score. So here we go. Question number one. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes, definitely. Oh, no, definitely. no hesitation. He, ah, was, that's, he was firm ah, in that commitment. And on hamburgers, pineapple, definitely. Okay. So far, so good. No, no point deduction yet. <laughs> number two. Do you roll your toilet paper over or under? Like it has to come over. Definitely has to come over. I mean, it's cr those people that put it under, I can't understand it. They wipe their hand on the wall when they take out toilet paper. There, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna nail this because I'm. Those people are crazy, and I'm not. Okay, I want. I want to find out how committed you are to this concept. If you if you find yourself at a, a friend's house or a relative's house and you're on the throne. And it's it's going the other way. It's going under. Do you take the time to correct that? Do you, do you fix it for them? I don't take the time to correct that. I take them in there and show them what they've done wrong. Oh like, wow! Or I point it out over dinner with like a who put that on there. I can't. Yeah, they need to know. Yeah, they've done it wrong. It's not worth changing it yourself because then they never learn. <laughs> Spoken like a true father. Now, now, Bacon, have you have you found yourself on the throne at a friend's house and you just open the door and call them in while while you're sitting there? I lost you for a second there. Okay, let me. I mean, that was worth repeating. So, <laughs> do you find yourself on the throne at a friend's house and you just open the door and call them in there while you're sitting there? <laughs> no, no, I'm really. No, I'm not that insane. <laughs> really, make it memorable for them. They're never going to have this happen again. Exactly. Then they're never going to forget. Maybe I'll do that next time. <laughs> all right question three cats or dogs dogs yeah you know what you you may score 100 i don't know you're you're, you're training pretty so. well right now these questions are like the um because i know those people are in, like a cat person i mean how, who could you you could never choose a cat over a dog yes yeah, so uh, i feel like i'm very sane actually in these questions yeah. a cat person who rolls their toilet paper under and doesn't eat pineapple on their pizza. I mean, that, that you stay away from that person. Exactly. Yeah. Now, big dogs or little dogs? Nah, big. I don't like those little yappy dogs. Uh, I want a big dog that I can go out and hike and run with. That's okay. Big dog. Yeah. We have a rule in our house you can't have a dog that poops bigger than you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of the, that's where the line is. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Question four, Netflix or YouTube? I'm not a big TV or computer guy, but I I think I'm a Netflix. You know what? Like I don't even watch much Netflix. I definitely don't watch much YouTube, but if I, I watched neither, but I would say Netflix is easier because it's on our TV at home. So, okay. but I'm, yeah. What is the last TV program or movie that you watched? Something in Swedish my wife had on and I just had to watch what was going on. I 
tell I try and learn Swedish watching TV here, but I I don't even remember what I. That's how bad I am with TV and movies. Like I'm not a big. Uh, I try and watch the news occasionally. That's so boring. I don't even. <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a big like. I I watch like. Oh, like I guess I would do watch a bit of YouTube when someone sends me like something from a race or. Yeah, I don't mind watching like a race recap or something like that on YouTube. Okay, well, hopefully the news in Sweden is better than watching the news in America. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and so you never got caught up in the whole Game of Thrones uh, phenomenon. Uh, missed all that. Missed all that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Question number five is kind of an open-ended question. What is your most useful skill in case of a zombie apocalypse? Oof. I guess I can run fast or run, not maybe not fast, but I can run long. Hopefully get away from them. Eat a lot of garlic as well. Oh, no, that's vampires. No. I'd say you running. Know. You know what? <laughs> Better safe than run, sorry. Running and hiding. That would be my thing. I thought you were going to say swimming and running. Ah, swimming and running, yeah. Do zombies swim? I don't know. I hope not. Then I can swim out to somewhere where they can't get to. Yeah, yeah. All right. Question number six. We're almost there. Should the person in the middle seat of an airplane get both armrests? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks being in the middle. <laughs> they just should they they deserve that. It sucks being in the middle, so yeah, I give them I give them the armrest. It also depends who it is. You can fight them a little bit, make them work for it, but they can have it. You, you, you sit in that middle seat and you firmly establish your dominance by putting both elbows out, right? Yeah. Even if it's uncomfortable, sit there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Question number seven. Last question. If you had the opportunity, do you travel 100 years in the future or 100 years in the past? That's tough. Um, I think I, ooh, now I think I'd go to the past and just like think how cool it would be to go back there and know everything. Just like live that dream like, oh, yeah, you should do this. And also you'd be a baller because you'd win everything. But I just think, like, imagine if, even if I could go back 10 years to, like, compete in swim run that I'm competing in now, I would, like, you could just change the game like that with equipment and everything. So I think it would be fun to just go go back there and oh, make a bit of trouble. So if you could go back 100 years and be a baller, as you said <laughs> – uh, I mean, what what kinds of activities would you engage in? What, what, how would you show off your your unbelievable knowledge of everything we know right now? I mean, what what would you do a hundred years uh, in the past to really show off? Oh, well, at first, I'd go and win like betting or something, like go and gamble on some horses. So I'd be first like financially stable, but then I'd go into sport. Like, imagine you could go back and like I'm not a good runner in any terms of it but then i could go back then and win the marathon because they ran so slow 100 years ago like take a pair of those new nike zooms there show up on the start line no one knows what this from this futuristic guy and you still run three hours and you beat everyone now you finish like two thousandth then you can go to the olympics win a few gold medals and swimming uh be the dream nice sport yeah. definitely that's the only thing i'd chase sport i think it's uh yeah, be fun. Okay. All right. Let me let me put uh, the answers to these questions into the algorithm here. We'll calculate your your total. Let's see, I've got to do a little bit of math. I've got to carry the two. We're going to divide by root three, multiply by pi, and we need to adjust for the temperature of the sand on Bondi Beach. And you know what? You're nowhere near ten. You've scored an eighty-two, Bacon. 82. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty solid. I want to know where I lost points. Was it going back or forward? Was that the, did that make me a little insane? It, it was kind of your, your conversation about Netflix and YouTube. We were all over the map on that one. You know, <sighs> it, it, you started off strong and then you kind of peeled back. A little bit <laughs> and so, but still 82, something to be proud of. I'm, I'm happy with that. It, you know, it's not a gold medal. Insane. 
It's not a gold medal. It's not a first place in a swim run or uh, in an adventure race, but you know, you could wear that with pride. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay. Hey, before we get too far down the trail here, let's back up a little bit. Uh, we'd love to hear about your, your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you played as a kid, and how did you get involved with uh, the whole outdoor adventure, triathlon, swim run experience? Okay. All right. Well, I, um, I grew up in, I was born in Sydney, but we moved when I was one down the south of, it's like two hours south of Sydney in Australia. Yeah. You, you have fond memories of that first year in Sydney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I have really fond memories of where I grew up. It was like a country town. It was small and I was so lucky. Like my parents, we got to do try every sport. I was not good at sport when I was a kid, but we really played every sport. We, we did everything we, from skiing to horse riding to uh, soccer, rugby. I played it all water polo. So I, I got to test everything, which is now I'm so grateful for. So, um, but I was never good at sport growing up in school and everything. Like I was, oh, I was mediocre, but I just loved it. And then um, when I finished school, uh, then I was we were living back in Sydney, and I started surf lifesaving. So I was competing in surf lifesaving, and then um, I crossed paths with Craig, Craig Alexander, who's like the Ironman World Champion three times in a row. We crossed paths there through through my work as a lifeguard. I got to do some charity stuff, and then we crossed paths. So I read, read his book and then I was like, wow, maybe I should try this Ironman. Like me growing up, Ironman was also always like, in, if you say it in Australia, Ironman, most people think of Ironman on the beach where you swim, board paddles, surf, ski paddle, that's Ironman. And I was like, started reading about this other Ironman. And of course, we had some amazing triathletes in Australia growing up that we looked up to as well. But I was like, okay, let's try this Ironman. And we, a few guys from work, we got together. And signed up for an Ironman and it suited me. Like I'm not a good, I don't have the talent, but I love the, I love working hard. So I just worked really hard towards it and put in some big hours and got lucky. I don't know, lucky. I, oh, I went to Kona twice and, um, and then I did Norseman, which is an, really uh, amazing Ironman here in in the Nordics in Norway and it's really cool and that was my that's the last triathlon I did it sort of ended my career it was tough and I was like okay now I'm going to try a bit of swim run and then I was hooked from like the first swim run it's just been uh yeah I've been uh, hooked ever since I've done uh, so that was 2016 and uh, I teamed up with a girl from here in Sweden oh if I go back a little bit, I ended up in Sweden. So I was working on the beach. Uh, I didn't move to Sweden for the weather. I've married a Swedish girl who wanted to come home. So she won. We moved over to Sweden for what was to be a year. Now it's seven. So Funny funny how uh, it works out, huh? Yeah. It's like everyone asks me oh, when I'm here, like, oh, why did you move here? It's like, oh, well... I'll give you one guess and it wasn't the weather. <laughs> so yeah, so most most of the Aussies living over here are here in the same boat. So there's quite a few of us that live over here in Sweden. Um and uh there, yeah. There's been a rash of uh, of Swedish girls who go down to Australia and bring back husbands. Is that is that how that uh, works? Yeah, more than you could imagine. There's like, I think they even counted there was like five hundred in the town I live here in Sweden. So yeah, you can imagine there's a lot of us. Wow, mind blown. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, uh, if you go to Stockholm, I guess it's even worse <laughs> or better. I guess. Uh, hey, a couple things to unpack there. Um, number one, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that you said multiple times that you weren't good at, at uh, the sports you were playing when you were young. And yet you participated in Ironman triathlons. And so, you know, it's funny that, you know, high school sports is not necessarily a predictor for uh, success in, in endurance type uh, sports. No, nah, not at all. I mean, like, uh, I played in the in year twelve. I played in the eleventh. So we have rugby's big at my school, mm -hmm. and there I was in the eleventh team. So that's like a a lot of teams in just year in my school. So I was right at the bottom there, and then 
like the athletics day. I mean, I ran the hundred in like nineteen seconds or something. So there's guys like running twelve, and I'm they're having a break before I come in across the line. So I was no athlete, but I, I loved it. I like I sucked, but I loved it. So <laughs> I think that I think that's a big part of it. It's like yeah, a lot of people suck at sport when they're young and they don't and they're not interested in it. But I was like. Oh, I would go out and do it as much as I could because I just love doing sport. Like it helped. I had my brother. He, I have an older brother, and he just like I wanted to beat him so bad. So I mean, that's like that's why I guess I'm so competitive now because because of him. So I um yeah, I were you're in the backyard. We're playing rugby, soccer every afternoon after school, and it's just had to beat him. It was like the goal and he didn't care at all because he'd run upstairs even if i did beat him and tell mum that he won and i'd be upset so <laughs> and then we'd be out there the next day doing the same thing again now you mentioned you mentioned the iron man you mentioned kona you participated in kona a couple times that that is a serious race tell us the distances involved there it's a it's a uh it's a triathlon with yeah some pretty so i do it in kilometers here because i can't do miles for you guys but three 3.8 k swim I think that's and a then a hundred, yeah, hundred and eighty kilometer bike. I think that's a hundred and twelve mile bike ride. Yeah, and then a forty two point two, so a marathon. Marathon, right? Yeah, to finish off. And uh, how did you how did you finish in your your two attempts at Kona? Um, I the first year I finished. I, I raced in age group, not as a professional. Um, the first year I think I finished like twentieth or something, and then the next year ninth in my age group. I never, I never, I was quite young when I was over there racing. I was uh, like 25 and those, I also just like, you know, I would love to go back now with the knowledge I had then. Like I trained really well back then, but I never executed a good, uh, some Ironman race. That was just like too long for me. I think there. I, was, I was really good over the half Ironman distance and both times I qualified for Hawaii, I'd won like a half Ironman and got my spot that way. So I was like, that was really, that suited me a lot better, the half Ironman distance. So uh, I'm not like, I would like to go back there one day, but I don't think it's, it's I've moved on to uh, things that I enjoy a lot more now. Now I've run, I've run a few marathons and the first one I didn't know what to expect, but uh, certainly the ones that followed that I would, I would toe the line. I'd be waiting to start. And I would say to myself, this is going to suck. This is going to suck a little bit. This, I'm going to go through some pain on this. Is that, is that uh, kind of your thought process when you, when you towed the line in Kona? Yeah, but I mean, for me, Kona, like most people, Kona, like racing Ironman gets better and better. As a swimmer, it just gets worse and worse for me during the day. So the swim, I was always like, oh, yeah, it's the swim. It's the good, best part of the day. And then the bike sucks. And then the running, oh, exactly. Especially in Ironman, the running for me was just like, I just got to get through this because yeah, I'm already dead by the time I get there, which is now, which was what I was talking about. Now I would much prefer to get to the run. I've become more of a runner. So I, I think running is uh, more up my alley. Now, if you'd gone a hundred, hundred years back in the past and introduced uh, Ironman, I mean, you, you'd be known right now as the greatest athlete who ever lived. <laughs> that's this it guy, this like, guy swam two miles he biked 112 miles and ran a marathon are you kidding me exactly like now it's like everyone's done one it's like it's not very special anymore but back then i would have been the king oh well yeah i gotta that's like you gotta find some new type of sport now so people look back that's right now before we go to break uh quickly take us through being a lifeguard were you a lifeguard on Bondi beach? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the best job in the world. Uh, I'm not going to deny it. I, it was the best job in the world. It still is like sitting on the beach, work with amazing guys. And like when it's on, it's on. And that's like, people think, Oh, it's cool to just sit around in the sun. And, but like when we're working, that was when I was like loving it the most, like doing rescues, like, serious resuscitations that's when like the job was at its best like being busy and i mean it's the busiest beach in australia it's forty thousand there on a small stretch of sand and yeah, when when we're under the pump that was when it was the best 
That's now, a if someone, were, if, if someone were to ask you, like I'm going to right now to identify your, your most memorable rescue, does, does a particular one come to mind? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to go past resuscitations that, you've, that we've done on the sand. And like, I was, we're very fortunate being lifeguards on the beach as opposed to say an ambulance drove, we're there as it happens. So we have a very good like strike rate of getting people back. So I think out of the six I did, five of them came back down to the beach to say thank you a few days later. So, I mean, it's, that's a pretty special feeling to like bring someone back to life. You, you can't really describe that. So I think it's hard to go back for past the resuscitation. That's really special. Okay. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna get into some some nitty gritty on some uh, some swim runs, uh, adventure racing, and we're gonna talk about the one water race. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the back country to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Adriel Young, a.k.a. Kevin Bacon, or just Bacon. And one of the things you left out, Bacon, is that you were a bit of a TV star. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we got we uh, some lifeguards at Bondi. They started a program called Bondi Rescue where they followed us around. as It was a reality show, and that... Um, that was uh, it was it was a really fun time. I mean, it opened up so many doors for me in terms of racing, and uh, I'm so grateful that it existed because yeah, it really opened up some amazing opportunities to meet some guys like Craig Alexander and opened up this whole adventure racing scene for me that I didn't even know existed before. Now, was there a Swedish girl watching Bondi Rescue uh, back home in Sweden, and she said, "You know what? Let's go. Let's go down to Australia and and see what this is all about." And that's how you met. 
that's what I tell her. That's, I say she came chasing me from that, but uh, unfortunately it's not the truth, but I live off that. Nice, nice. All right. So did you get into swim runs after you moved to Sweden? Or- yeah, so yeah, after after I moved to Sweden, it's this it's because the sport was born here, it's so big here. And then you step like in Australia doesn't exist really. I mean, me and my wife actually had a race there and in America it's just sort of starting to get some steam there, but it's huge here in Sweden. So I uh, that's when I first like found out about swim run and I really got, I didn't really know a lot about it until 2016 there where I finished with triathlon and I was like, Oh, can I, and I teamed up with a girl we said we'd do, which is the world championships. It's called Ertelur. And um, we said we'd do it together. And I really didn't think much of it. And I was like, I knew it was a really long race, but I was like, oh, let's do it together and just get through it and see how it was. And in that summer leading up to the world championships, I raced a lot. I found out I really, this sport suits me and I really enjoy Like nothing is better than training and racing in swim run because going out with like, take a couple of mates and you just go and there's no like, there's nothing that stops you. There's no red light that says you can't keep riding here or the road ends like swim run. We just go out my back door and there's lakes everywhere in Sweden. If you're not on, near the archipelago in the ocean and we just go and when you get to a lake, oh, we just swim across there and we just keep running and then get to another lake, swim. So as soon as you're sick of swimming, you're running again. As soon as you're sick of running, swimming again. So, the the freedom with the sport is just unbelievable. So yeah, it's hard to describe, but as soon as someone's most people once they've done it once, they're like, oh, okay, I've got to do that again. So So now what are the distances involved with swim run? Like what was the distance of the swim run world championships? Yeah, so that was the birth of the sport, the world championships, like four guys got together and that's sort of a little bit like Iron Man. It was a bet and it became that was the race. It was the first one. And it's really long. It's 65 kilometers of trail running and 10 kilometers of swimming. Since then, the sport, there is no specific distance for swim run. So because it's all, it's nature based, like nature steers the race. So where there's water, where there's run, that's sort of how the races are. So there's sprint races that are like six minutes long. And then there's one water race, which we'll talk about later, which is, uh, endless so yeah i mean there's it really is like there's no there's nothing that defines it which is so nice it's like no other sport it is completely open free now it reminds me of a former guest that i had on mike chambers he has uh he's the host of a tv show with his buddy that's i think on uh outside tv it's called beat monday okay if you haven't heard of it, it's a nah. it, it might be worth your time to to watch an episode or two. But he talks about on this uh, beat Monday, it's how much how much they can pack into a weekend before okay. before Monday arrives. Before you know, they leave work on Friday, and then they try and cram in some adventure and be done sure. by the time they return to work on Monday. And uh, one that they talked about was this thing called the picnic, and it's a a an activity designed by a guy who lives up in Jackson hole by the grand Tetons. And basically you start in Jackson hole, Wyoming, you get on a bike and you ride to, uh, I don't know how many miles, 26, 50 miles to Jenny Lake. You then swim, swim two miles across Jenny Lake. And then you climb up, uh, you get on that, get off on the other side. And then you climb up to the top of the grand Teton and then turn around and you go back home. You, you climb down the Teton, you swim back across the lake, you get on uh-huh. the and you ride back to, to Jackson uh-huh. Hole. And it's called the picnic. Like, you know, hey, it's just just, just a picnic. It's easy. But uh, very reminiscent of, of the kinds of activities you're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. Um, like that is right up my alley when I hear things like that. It's like, yeah, I just love the freedom when it's, when it comes to sport and adventure, the freedom is the thing that drives me the most. Now you said you did the world championships with a partner. Does that, that yes. just mean that the two of you are doing it at the same time or do you guys alternate? How does it work with a partner? No, so, so or swim run, it was always you were in teams of two. So and you just you can't be more than 10 meters apart. So that's the that's the sport. Since it's evolved, there's 
few people put on races where you can race by yourself solo. But for me, some who loves the sport, for me, it's always going to be like a pair sport. So you race and push each other together. So, mm-hmm. and then, uh, yeah. So it's, a, I mean, yeah, you run, you race as a pair. So if someone gets, your teammate gets tired, that's your job as a team to keep going. Yeah. Did she get really frustrated uh, having to wait for you all the time? Yeah, exactly. She was just, come on, come on. <laughs> I've raced in both mixed and um, men's class in the world championships, but uh, mix is much, I prefer mixes, like not as fast tempo and it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just something, it's nice to race with. I mean, women are, the women are so strong anyway. So it's like, yeah. They're, yeah, the women in this sport now are just so crazy strong that the men, that's not as fun. The women are much fun, more fun to race with. Yeah. Does does Mrs. Bacon like to swim run? Yeah, but not with me. <laughs> she, she, she likes to go out. She's done it with her sister a few times and I don't know. She, she thinks I'm too competitive. <laughs> she enjoys the sport as how you should enjoy the sport as going out and enjoying it. Whereas I, I do that in training, but not when I race. <laughs> you pretty are you a pretty intense guy when you race? Not intense, but I I enjoy winning. So <laughs> I'm competitive. I I don't I would never like I'm not like aggressive or like oh I'm gonna win. But it's like I like to like push my. I don't like I don't, if my partner has a bad day, they have a bad day. I don't. It's not that nothing that annoys me. But personally, I want to give everything I've got to my team. So I, I love emptying the tank out there. Okay. And and how many swim runs have you won? Ooh. Uh, I actually would not know. I don't know. I've only, uh, uh, since 2016 when I started doing swim run, I maybe raced like 10 more swim runs every year. And one... There's one, only one swim run where I haven't finished on the podium, so I don't know. Wow. So I was going to say that, you know, your answer leads me to believe that it's a lot because if someone were to ask me, you know, if I ever won a marathon, I, I, I would know <laughs> I would know that I won that one marathon. But I guess if I won, you know, 74 marathons, I, I wouldn't have an idea that it, it was. Yeah, but I, I'll never forget that one where I didn't finish on the podium. So that's <laughs> always going to sit with me. <laughs> All right. Hey, are you familiar with the term type two adventure? No. Oh, no. Type two adventure. No. Okay. We're going to talk about some type two adventure. I hope so. I told you, I'm very like green into it. So I should say that before we get into it. I'm very green in the adventure racing, adventure, adventure scene. Like, so okay. swim run, that is a long swim run, the world championships. Yeah. But that's as long as I go. Like before this one water race, I was like, that's long. Like that's way long. I'm like a two hour, three hour kind of guy. And then like that opened up. I was like, okay, that's an eight hour race. And then this one water race came and I was like, now I've like been bitten by the bug. I'm like, I love that long. Yeah. I never thought I'd like long, but now. So there are three types, three types of adventure. Type one adventure is something that you're having fun while you're doing it. And you don't really talk about it afterwards. Type two adventure. It's the fun stuff. This is when you're not having fun when it happens, but you love talking about it. You love telling that story. It, it sucked. It sucked in the moment, but you really enjoy talking about it. You'll tell anybody who, who will listen. And then type three adventure, which I would argue is not really type. I'm saying adventure. It's fun. Type one fun, type two fun, type three fun. So type one is you're having fun, but you don't talk about it. Type two fun is you are, you are uh, not having fun, but you love talking about it. Type three, which I would argue is not fun, is that you don't enjoy it when it's happening and you don't you don't ever want to think about it. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to say anything about it. <laughs> no, I'm definitely a type two kind of fun guy. That's a, uh, yeah. I love it when it hurts. And then I, it's like in, to enjoy it after it's like, yeah. Okay. Look back. You're like, yeah. Any times out there when you thought maybe the tank was, was empty and you, there's no way you're going to finish. Yeah. I mean, so if we start talking about this one water race, I was like, okay. we, um, like I, I raced with two, so it was a bit of a new, um, a new format of racing for swim run. So we were teams of three now, and um, it's obviously it was way longer than any swim run that's been done. So it was, um, and when 
my team who the two people in my team christine and daniel they're very experienced adventure racers swim runners multi-day some they were like really experienced and um they talked to me a lot about it before and helped sort of coach me through it and i was like so scared about firstly the sleep like when are we going to sleep and who how my body was going to react after i'd never done anything more than eight hours so i was like how's this going to be and then six hours into the race we were running on this road and it was like we were running hard and i was like this is like we're like moving here and i'm like this sucks like i'm really pushing myself and then i looked at my clock and i was like okay potentially we have 60 hours like we thought it was going to take us around 60 65 hours i was like uh potentially i have 60 hours of this to go and like all i wanted to say was like all i was waiting for someone in the team to say oh we need we are not going to pull out and I, I was like, well, and that's all I wanted to say to them. But I, before the race, Christine, she was really good. She's like, what, whatever happens, if, you, if you're having a dip and you want to pull out or you, you have something bad to say or you say that you're tired, you can have it in your head but never say it out loud because if you say it out loud, then it becomes like a, it becomes real. So if, if it's in your head, you don't know if it's real or not. So, And I had that in my head. I was like, oh, I want to say it, but I'm not going to say it. And then... After like a few minutes, I think we jumped in the water and I'd forgotten about it. And that was my only real dip during the race. So, like, But uh, you're just waiting the whole time for the body not to work anymore. But yeah, during that that moment in the race, I was like, this sucks so much. I was like, <laughs> I, was like uh, I was ready to jump out. Like when you tell people that you're like five hours in and you knew it was going to be like two or three days. I was like, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was a very low dip and I was, early in the race so i was like this is not gonna be a good, good thing we're doing here but worked out really well in the end waiting for your body not to work i call that i call that a, a tuesday at two o'clock <laughs> but, i mean that's what it was like i was like when's it just not gonna keep going like when is my body gonna give up like when can i not sleep like and just just waiting for that and it just never came but it was like it's got to come eventually but it just never never happened so in that 65 hours or so, how much, how many of those hours were devoted to sleep? Yeah. So what happened was we had really good luck with the weather, obviously. And then we went way faster than we thought we were going to be. So we never slept. We, we finished in 47 hours, had a dream race and didn't have to sleep. <laughs> And when you don't sleep for 47 hours and you're doing this, all this physical exertion, is there any hallucinating that goes on? Yeah, a little bit. Like it was funny. Like on the second day, it's also like longer than 47 hours because before the race, you you hardly sleep the night before and then you're up early. But then like the second after like the sun had gone down and come up the next day, I was swimming one swim. Like I was leading all the swim. So I was swimming. And I remember like, I was like, oh, I can just close one eye when I'm sleeping. And then I was like, oh, I can close the other eye. I was like, actually, I'm swimming pretty straight here. I can close both my eyes and keep swimming, like just for a couple of strokes. And I must have slept because I heard my name being like called out and I thought it was Christine behind me and it was the boat. And I was like, I'd done a complete 90 degree tour. I was still swimming, but I was just like, I'd swung 90 degrees with my, and like fallen asleep while I was sleeping. So, and then the second night I also had like that, we were running along and I didn't hallucinate, but I was like every little patch of grass, I was like just 10 minutes on that sleeping, just 10 minutes there. Or like, and that's all I was like, I was just seeing these patches of grass, like, oh, 10 minutes. That's all I need. I was like, I didn't say the same again. I never said it out loud, jumped in the water after that. Forget about it. But, uh. All right. Now we got a little bit of ahead of ourselves. We started talking about the the race without actually defining what the race is. So, is the one water race? Is it is it like a swim run or is it more like adventure racing? It's a bit of a combination of both because it's the the sport of swim run was what we were doing while we were swimming and running, mm-hmm. but then it had elements of adventure racing where the course was was defined by orienteering. So there was like checkpoints. Where swim runs, it's normally a marked course. So here was you had to have a good navigation skills in the team. And then the adventure racing thing was because it was so long. So that added that made it a bit more like adventure racing. So 
yeah, it's a bit of a combination. It was sort of brought the two worlds together, which was really interesting to see because uh, the there was an Australian team that are really good adventure racers, and you saw it was like us swim runners. We had we our strength was at the start of the race, sort of, whereas when we were fresh and and then there the adventure racing became more of a element later on. So they started coming good, and yeah, it was really and like the navigation is. Uh, I, I always thought I was okay at navigation. And then like, I remember like running behind Daniel in our team who does the navigation. I was like, why is he going there? And then like two seconds later, we're like exactly where we need to be. And I was like, oh, that's why we were going there. I, like, I couldn't, I never, I thought I was okay, but I was nothing like uh, chalk and cheese compared to him, how good he was. So. Now, Bacon, you have to forgive my little smirk as you were going through that because you said that you know, your, your team's strength was at the beginning. And I, I was just reminded of your statement of, you know, five hours in, you're like, I, I, or six hours in, I really just want to stop right now. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like in the, especially like in, when we were going into the race, we knew like our strength is this first day. We need to open up a gap. This is like, this is what we're good at swim run. In the end, it didn't happen like that. We, we got caught on the first night in the middle of the night. They like, we'd had a gap and then they closed the gap Two other teams caught us. But then we, Daniel made a really good like navigational move straight after that. And we opened up a gap again. And then it just got bigger and bigger. So, okay. And the one water race, I think the tagline for it is it's the ultimate proof of human capacity. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we were explaining what the race is, and it's so so it's orienteering, and then the distances is what makes it crazy. So. It, it, obviously people could make their own route choices overall. There's just islands everywhere there, but um, it was meant to be average about 200 kilometers of running, 50 kilometers of swimming. I think Daniel calculated at the end of the race, how much we, it was hard to calculate the running, but the swimming he drew like, cause it's a straight line, obviously. So if we swam straight, which we probably didn't exactly, it was like 57 kilometers of swimming and then about 200 of running. Um, in 47 hours there so it's a long and it, and when I say like people think like oh running 200 kilometers like some of it is like pushing through forests that like this we weren't running on paths the whole time so it's like trying to find your way through these thick forests and these islands some of these islands no humans have been on before is like thick forests just make your way through Wow. And the orienteering was Daniel primarily that he, he filled that role. Yeah. So like uh, my role in the team was to swim and like lead all the swims and he was navigation and Christine was like the glue that kept our team together. She and kept us moving in the transition. So she, uh, we all had sort of a role there. And I think that was our key to having such success in the race. Wow. That could be kind of uh, disorienting uh, to be in a jungle and kind of pushing your way through and trying to figure out where you're supposed to go. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how good those guys are reading maps that, uh, from adventure racing. Like uh, sometimes I think it feels like we're going around in circles here, but then you come out and it's like exactly where you were meant to come out. Like, he had a bit of a dip on the second before the sun came up the second day and he was like trying to get the map and then it also made it worse that me and christine like looking at him with our head torches in his eyes we can't see anything we're like where are we going and we're like he's like trying to fix it and then he like he had like we had like i had one caffeine gel on me and then christine like stuck it in his mouth and then it like it's sort of like it was like the penny dropped and he's like if i go down here and i hit a path i know where we are and if not, we'll go back. And he just hit this part. And then he started running like four-minute pace just straight down this road. And we've been already going for like over 40 hours. And me and Christine like just trying to keep up with him. And he just ran straight through this forest, like just following his comments. Like, I was like, what is going on here? Like, And we were also stressed. We didn't know where the other teams were, obviously. And we just came out exactly where we needed to be. And, we're like, and like I yelled at the birds like, we the first here because it's like that's like towards the end of the race it was like a point where you had to pretty much go past and we all three of us we were certain they said like oh two teams have already gone past and like we led the whole way and we thought we'd lost it and like kicking stones down to the water's edge and the boat was there i was like which teams came through and they're like what are you talking about and I'm like which teams have come through and like, 
you guys are like ahead by like two hours. I'm like, what? Like instant, like glad, <laughs> like yeah. Then we also kind of knew that we'd won the race there because no one. It was hard for another team to pass us in that next, which I thought it was like twenty minutes to go, but it, it ended up being like an hour and a half to go. But anyway, it was like we were like oh, we've done it. It was like such an amazing feeling at that point in the race. Hey, Bacon, way to bury the lead. I mean, we've been talking for about 48 minutes now, and uh, I'm just now learning that you you won the one water race. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we ended up winning. So, yeah, got to bring home the prize check, and it was just like to win the first ever one water race is like it's pretty special. And I, everyone's like, you're going to do it again? I was like, no, we won it now. <laughs> I want to go back and jinx it. It's like – now we've won the first. I hope it gets harder and harder every year. And I can say, I won the first one. <laughs> so was that just this year or was that last year? That was this year. So we, oh, what was it, six weeks, seven weeks ago. Yeah. Seven weeks ago. Fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So, yeah. Now on the prize money, you're able to retire? <laughs> no, but it, I mean, amazing prize money. First, so swim run, I don't know. Like swim run, if you win uh, the world championships, you win enough money to pay for getting to the world championships kind of thing. Swim run's a small sport and like it's growing obviously, but the, it's not like winning a, oh, it's not like winning any the Ironman world championships, nothing like that at the moment. It's a small sport, but this really opened up the, the the team that put on this race they like did it special like we ended up winning good prize money for the first time ever so nice nice yeah. all right hey what's next for bacon what's the next adventure coming up yeah i don't know i really want to do something like after i've done this i was like i really want to do some cool adventures now but i have nothing planned i was like absolutely no swim runs planned nothing is going into winter here i really just want to like plan some cool adventures some longer stuff that it's like yeah it's sort of opened up this door for me that's like wow i can go long after i thought i could never go long now i can go long and so yeah i've got nothing like in stone so it's really open the way it is now which is which is also nice but it's a strange feeling because normally it's like i know i'm doing this race this race this race now it's like i've got nothing on the calendar at all so okay i've got a suggestion for you you ready yeah. Have you heard of the Barkley Marathons? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I've followed, followed that. I mean, I would love to try that, but I think like that, they're like, those guys are crazy. Yeah. I mean, one water race is the ultimate proof of human capacity, but the Barkley Marathons in the 30 years of existence have only had like, what, 13, 14 winners. Yeah. I mean, they're 13, so 13, cool. 14, 13, 14 finishers. Excuse me. Yeah, finishers. exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I would, I mean, obviously that's a bucket list race for everyone to get over there and have a crack at that one day. But uh, I mean, I, I don't think I have, I don't think I have the navigation skills to be able to finish that race. Also, like I have to say, I don't think I could go the distance. Like now you think like, Oh, he's run 200 kilometers, but swim run. That's one thing that's really amazing with swim run. It's very like, um, it's very nice on the body because the swim, you especially for me that it's a swimmer, that's where I like rest almost. And like your body is lying down, the blood gets flow, and then you get up and run again. You're never running more than like, so like the longest runs, maybe 20 kilometers. And that's like a long run in a swim run. So you get like this, this constant change between swimming, running, and then often it's like swimming in cold water it does something with the body that I know personally, everyone's like, you could definitely run like a hundred mile. And I'm like, I don't think I can because I, I think my legs wouldn't be able to handle it, but they handle it in swim run because it gets that rest and the, yeah. So it seems know. like the, the swim, the swim is, is uh, restorative to your body. It, it kind of, yeah, for sure. I think people, and people, People underestimate that. People are like, no, nah, I can't be that good. It's like, you, you, you don't believe me that I don't think I can run to like a hundred miles, but I don't think I could run that because uh, without getting that rest in this, like that's what like pushes. Like I think that's what makes it possible for me. 
Now, adventure racer Brett Gravelin pointed me in your direction. Do you do you know Brett, or is, does he just know of you? No, we met at one water race. Me and Brett, and he we hit it off. He's a legend. So I, I really that was really one thing that was so special about one water race is we were just oh, we were eight teams that ended up being seven teams, and we were all on this adventure together, and we all became so tight. Like we were one big team, even though we raced against each other. But the it was such a and not just the guys that were racing, like there were boat crew and there were film crew, every and the people organizers and volunteers, like everyone became this like tight knit unit, which you don't you never get like in a triathlon or anything like that. It's very individual. He was like, oh, we're all here doing this for the first time ever. No one knows if it's possible. We're like a group, people sharing information. Like it was not like secretive or anything. Like everyone was there together and that, that was like that's the bit I love the most, like especially a swim run adventure. Swim run is even more like I for I came from triathlon where you go there, you transition, people are staring at each other, no one talks. Like swim runs like this awesome community where everyone wants to help each other and like woo. And then even more so when I came to this one water race, everyone's like, yeah. and then Brett, he's a legend. And their their team was like my favorite team. Like I was like, oh, like every time we got to like a checkpoint, I was like, how's it going for them? It was like so uh, during the race, it was like, oh, I hope it's going good for them. And yeah, they end up being, oh, we had to hit it off and we keep in contact now. So it's cool. Do you know Brett's story? No. He, uh, he participated, he and his team participated in uh, Eco Challenge in Fiji. Oh, they did. Okay. They did. Yeah. And so if you want, if you want to listen to a, a great episode, one of my favorite episodes on this podcast is, is his interview. He okay. takes us through uh, that whole experience, and it is. It, it, I, I don't want. I don't even want to. I don't even want to ruin the ending. So I, uh, I'm just. I'm just going to let you listen to that. It's a fantastic have to. episode and very dramatic. Very dramatic story. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, I remember him. Like he asked me because obviously I've done a lot of swim rides. Yeah, do. You, what happens if you need to go to the toilet during the race? I was like, then when I told him, I was like, you just go. He was like. Nah, he's like, I thought that, and he's like, yeah, just go, especially if you're leading the swims, then you don't have to worry about anything. You're <laughs> dropping mines, okay. nah, exactly. No, but I feel like hikers, adventure racers, people listening to this, they understand absolutely, they do, absolutely. <laughs> All right, hey, Bacon, you know where we are? Let me know. The pro tip insight of the week. We're at that time of the episode where you get to share some outdoor adventure wisdom with our listeners to make their next experience even better. So what do you have for us? Uh, if you're going to go out and do a swim run, is your adventure of choice. Take the right gear. Look what the pro, like the top athletes do because I see people turn up to races and that. It's like, oh, that's one thing I've taken away from swim runs. Like, if you're going to go do something for the very first time, see what the best people are doing first night. Oh, maybe they have the right gear. So that's my pro tip in terms of racing, in terms of hiking and adventure. Go out there and enjoy it. Don't have any expectations. When it sucks, as we talked about, type two fun, that's when it's the best. So go out there, be miserable, and come back with these amazing memories and adventures. Take your family, take your friends, and just enjoy the nature out there. It's like so special. That's fantastic. You know, I'm I'm excited because the John Freaking Mirpod is an outdoor adventure podcast, and there are many branches on the outdoor adventure tree. We we primarily talk about hiking, through hiking, uh, those types of things. But we've talked to big wall climbers, we've talked to uh, wingsuit flyers, we've talked to uh, all kinds of folks, and I, I am really excited that we we've been able to add another branch to the tree uh, on the podcast nice. here, and that is that is swim run. So well Oops. done, sir. I'm going to start listening to because I want to, I'm like, now I've been like bitten by this, but I'm like, oh, I want to do some like long hikes. And so that's cool to be, find this whole new world that I didn't know existed. Yeah. We actually had on um, Eric Larson one time, who was the only person on the planet, only person ever to stand at the North pole, the South pole and the top of Everest in one calendar year. Oh Talk about wow. talk about adventure. Holy That's smoke. cool. <laughs> wow. Badass. All right. Nice. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Bacon. Want to thank him for joining us this week. 
Adriel, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media? Where can they find updates on your latest adventures? It's pretty easy. I have an Instagram. It's like called, it's at swimrun underscore world. So that's the best way to follow me there. I try and keep up to date with all the adventures I'm on and races I've been doing. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Any TikTok there, Bacon? Not yet. I feel like I'm too old. Am I too old for TikTok? I don't know. Well, if Doc's got a TikTok, you're not too old. <laughs> okay, I'll get a TikTok. All right. And also, if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Bacon, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, some some kind of outdoor adventure media uh, to keep our listeners connected to the trail. Uh, we're calling this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? Ooh. I mean, I'm I'm not into a lot of films, but one. I mean, I like to follow people that are really adventurous. So, like Killian, Olsen. Uh, oh, it's hard. Um, I don't know. I I've read like Kelly Slater's books, probably my favorite book of all time. He's just like an amazing athlete, so I like to follow that. It's completely irrelevant to as a swim runner or an adventure racer, but. It, cool to see like i love to read biographies of people like amazing athletes we crowy of course uh triathlon just to see and i like i will really take tips on some good biographies if you have venture guys because that's what, that's what i love to read about people's background and how they got into it and what they did when they were kids to how crazy adventures they've been on since Okay, fantastic. Now you might have meant you might have noticed on the transitions this this young lady's voice kind of introducing what the segment is. That's my daughter who was born and raised in South, Southern California, uh, but she she fancies herself with an accent. I'm not sure what kind of accent it is. I don't know if it's Kiwi, if it's if it's uh, Australian, if it's English. If you heard that, where would you say that person was from? I don't. I was thinking it was American, but uh, now that you say that. It's she's a little bit Australian. It's like a blunt combination of Australians okay. and Americans almost. Okay, wait, wait till you hear this next one. What have we not asked you? <laughs> uh, there, she's a pommy now. <laughs> a what? A pommy and you're an English person. Okay, <laughs> pommy, <laughs> nice. So before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called "What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About." What do we miss tonight? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think you really nailed everything I am up to at the moment. I'm like, I'm living in Sweden. I, I'm start, I'm starting to be a fireman here, which is completely because I miss being a lifeguard. And I want to get out of the office, to sit in an office now. So, I, um, yeah, I think you nailed it. I just love adventure. I have two daughters that I like to take with me out as as much as I can, and we we live in the middle of nowhere in Sweden, in the, in the forest. So. We have this awesome like natural life that we live in. But in terms of things you've asked me, I don't know. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Okay. So that's a wrap from the John Freakamere studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Bacon? Uh, shout out to my family. I'm, I guess they'll listen. I hope they listen. And shout out to all those adventurers out there. And hit me up because I want to hear about your stories out on the tracks and books I should read because I really want to get involved as much as I can. So please write to me on Instagram. I love to hear all that. Fantastic. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're dropping mines as you're on the swim leg of one water race. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Nice. Thank you.